Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 224 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by two great guests. Appreciate your patience tonight as we got up and running, uh, as you guys know, doing the show on the road and lots of people are traveling this week, so it's always a little bit exciting to do live recordings uh, during this period, but uh, we're we're steadfast, we're resolute here. As you can see, we have Dave Choate with us at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Living the dream. Absolutely. It's a dream come true, you know, recording Christmas week, uh, talking about the Falcons, you know, losing another game. But, uh, you know, we've got more to talk about than just losses. Also joining us for the first time, he is Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fella, newest staff addition to the Falcoholic. Jordan, welcome, first of all, and uh, how are you doing tonight? Well, thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty well. Excited to be on for the first time. I mean, again, like, it's like I always say, I talk about the Falcons all the time. Might as well keep doing it whenever I get a chance to. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I got to give these takes to somebody, you know, I can't just say them to my cat all day. There you go. Um, yeah. So that the cat gets very bored of the, of the takes and, and my wife is very supportive. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I've been teaching my cat to play defense cause can't really catch, but has been very good at knocking uh, the kibble out of the air. So, you know, eventually we're going to get that going, but uh, for now, sure, it's pretty good at change of direction. Yeah, yeah, you know, so there's elite change of direction skills. There we go. Uh, that, you know, pretty fast on all fours, too. Uh, that four-point stance comes naturally to the cat. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the cat defensive line uh, pod coming this offseason, folks. But, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, be a little bit of a quicker show because we're all busy traveling, but we wanted to bring you guys some Desmond Ritter takes, of course, from his first game, obviously. Uh, didn't go great. Uh, but I don't think it was as bad as some have sort of made it out to be. And I think, you know, there's a lot of overreactions as is normal, uh, for this sort of thing, but uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I'll, I'll give these folks a chance to, to talk about the game as well. Uh, we, I was on the post game show for those who already listened to that with Alan and Adnan, uh, but I haven't heard these guys takes either. So we'll start off, uh, with a quick, get, getting your guys quick thoughts on the saints game, which was pretty disappointing. Uh, but Again, uh, some some good things were in there, stuffed in there, uh, but I'll, I'll leave the floor open. Uh, and I have to, of course, let Dave go first, Jordan. He's the boss, so, you know, I, I hope you'll understand. Um, I wasn't even going to say anything. Yeah, uh, so it's just that's that's the rules here. But, uh, Dave, what, what were your takeaways sort of from the Falcons' Week 15 loss to the Saints, which unfortunately uh, was a sweep for New Orleans this season? Yeah, my, t- my big takeaway is that sucked. Um, you know, I think that's, that's probably the obvious one, but anytime you lose to the saints, 
um, it, you know, when we come into these games and folks are like, well, you know, as long as they look good or, you know, I want them to lose for draft position, you can't do that with the Saints. So it, it's it's a disappointing result. Um, I think the biggest thing to me is is like, and this is why I'm looking so forward to the 2023 offseason is, you know, you, you change the quarterback, you make some tweaks on defense, but really at the end of the day, the only thing that's consistently working here is that ground game. Um, and it's, it's almost matchup proof. I mean, I, I want to see how they do against Baltimore, but they've, they've done well against so many good run defenses to this point this year. I can't imagine the Ravens are going to be the team to stop them cold. So seeing that, you know, continue to work, they can kind of impose their will on the ground, but no matter how well they're doing with that, you know, they seem to be topping out at, you know, 17 to, to 24 points, um, you know, the passing game, nothing great to speak of, obviously, certainly not at all productive this week. And, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about Ritter later, but, you know, you add in the, the defense sort of having maybe three really, really terrible series or drives um, per game, you know, just enough to put it out of reach for a bad offense and then otherwise doing a pretty good job. So it, it was more of the same, um, you know, and I hate to say that because it was an exciting matchup with Ritter in there. It was good to see, you know, Troy Anderson getting a start um, and a little bit more work there, but it just, it felt very familiar. Unfortunately, they lost in, in the way they have been losing all season. And it, it's hard to be as excited as we should be about how great this this rushing attack is. We haven't seen one like this for so long in Atlanta. Um, just knowing that, you know, everything else is falling by the wayside and, and making it difficult to celebrate that and difficult for that to carry the team. So, you know, I, we got three more games to go. I'm still interested to see what kind of improvement they have, but we, we really have to wait for the offseason to get more out of this team. And I think the, the loss to the Saints, unfortunately, reinforced that. Yeah, no, that all good points there. It was a frustratingly familiar experience, um, but some good things, some things that you'd like to see better. And I know everyone hyped Desmond Ritter's first start into just unreasonable levels, of course. So that, that was going to bring some people back down to earth and we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, I did want to give Jordan a chance to weigh in. What did you think about the game overall, Jordan? And uh, how, how do you feel after unfortunately getting swept by the saints this season? Well, I felt better until you reminded me that we got swept by the saints again this season, but I think overall, what makes a loss like this so frustrating and and there've been a couple of losses like this where there is something, you know, I I guess I kind of look at it the opposite way. We've, the Falcons have shown the run game can carry them very far. And at times when they really need to lean on it, they don't do it. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, that like that might sound crazy when you rush for around 200 yards in a game, but you know, even as I wrote after the game, there were certain third and five situations. I'm thinking, okay, let's run the ball here, see what happens. You get some yards, it might be a fourth and two. That's something manageable for a rookie quarterback to deal with. Um, and instead they try to pass it, and then now you're in fourth and five, or if he gets sacked or whatever the case may be, you have to punt it. So I thought that 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 just kind of was interesting to me. And also I, I thought how they came out the, the gate. Obviously, usually in, in uh, the NFL or college football, your first – 15, 20-ish plays or so were scripted. And how many just shot balls did we see <laughs> right away for for Desmond Ritter, which I I mean, I, I it's not that I have an issue throwing with them early on, but you're going to do it. Let's do play action, something intermediate, just get them in a rhythm. 
where, again, obviously the Saints are coming into that game knowing and thinking you're going to rely on that run game. So, okay, you might catch them off guard in that regard. But I didn't think, you know, throwing just some of those those nine routes, those go balls that we did early on was exactly the right way to get the rookie quarterback involved in the game. Yeah, it was certainly a strategy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, clearly um, the, the coaching staff has complete confidence in Desmond Ritter to just com- just go bombs away. Um I didn't love it. I agree with what you said there. I, I think it, we wanted to see it work, uh, but it didn't work. And then you audit, you put yourself in a, in a hole really quickly uh, with the, and, and Patterson wasn't open either on that first play. Um, you know, it, I think against some teams, it would make more sense to do it, but the saints for, for everything that they are this year, which is not a very good football team. The pass defense is good. Like they're, they're a top 10 pass defense. So trying to really test this, the strength of your opponent with a rookie in his first game with a not necessarily star-studded receiving group right now with Kyle Pitts not there. It's just, it's, I didn't like it either, so I, I echo what you said there. Um, I, I just think it, it puts you in a hole, and it, it led to Ritter starting like, what it, what was it, like 0 for 5 or 0 for 7 or something <laughs> like that because it was the first like three or four throws were just had to be hero balls because it was, the, the second down run got mostly stuffed up and then he had to try to complete a third and long. And, and, you know, it just then, and then the defense of course gave up two straight touchdowns. So that, that was not the offense's fault. That was not Desmond Ritter's fault or Arthur Smith's fault. And that changed things after that point. But um, I agree with you that we have such a good run game. It's like, I would just, it would be nice to just lean on it at an appropriate time to start the game. Like it, and it's funny you, you mentioned it. It's like, Oh yeah, well, they had 200 yards, so clearly they used it. It's like, well, they should use it more. You know, like I, I don't care that they had 30 carries and 200 yards. Like they should have run it more. Um, and maybe that, and that's obviously a a sort of side effect of the passing game being so inconsistent. But you know, until it gets consistent, that's the way this team has to win games is by just pounding the rock. And uh, thankfully, we had what was just an outstanding performance from rookie Tyler Algier, who sort of showed. You know, he, he's capable of being that guy who gets 20 carries uh, and, and just burns a defense to the ground over the course of a game, and that was really exciting. Jordan, what did you think about uh, Tyler Algier's sort of breakout game here? Yeah, well, I got to see him a good bit being out here on the West Coast when he was at BYU, and the one thing that always popped off to me or anyone who talked about him, a BYU fan, uh, analyst, you name it, he's a hard dude to bring down. And you saw it again, it was on full display, especially I think it was a third and 16. We ran a draw. He breaks maybe one or two tackles and then boom, picks up the first down. Uh, and you just felt like there were a couple of runs there where he really made a couple of people miss, broke a couple of tackles that really got the momentum just changing. And, and again, I think the biggest thing when an offensive line sees that from a running back, that just gets them more juice and they're ready to go and flow more too. Uh, so, no, I, I I mean, I thought when they drafted Tyler Algier that that was a great pick. I'm happy that I haven't been wrong on it. I don't think I will be. Um, but, again, it, it just goes back to show you have – remember, there have been times this year where they've had a three-headed weapon. I know Caleb Hundley, unfortunately, is uh, – looks like he's done for the year. But he had a three-headed weapon in the backfield at running back. And, again, sorry, I know you're, you're just asking me about Tyler, but I just want to go back okay. to this point again of – go with what works. Like you don't have to try to outsmart people. Sometimes it's, it's okay. I mean, even think back, I think back to the uh, commander's game a few weeks ago, 
the Falcons had three timeouts inside the 10-yard line. The run game got you down there. And actually, I think Tyler Algier was a big part of what got you down there, too. Yeah. Keep using it. And and I think that kind of showed its head again this game, where it was those big third down situations. Go ahead and use them. They've already shown the Saints have shown they can't stop him. He was six of he's he converted six of the Falcons' yeah. nine third down conversions in the game. Go ahead, like just go ahead and use them. But no, I'm I'm really excited for Algier and and what he has going for these next few games and also the entirety of his career. Yeah, just a really. It's really cool to see. I know uh, I can't remember if it was Nate Tice or somebody else mentioned like that. You know, they reminded them he he looks like a young Earl Campbell. You know, just sort of coming into his own, but just like just impossible to tackle. And we've been waiting for that sort of back since Michael Turner left. Like we haven't really had a guy like that. Obviously, Michael Turner also had that incredible speed. Um, and that's really the only thing I think Algier lacks is he's not slow, but he doesn't have the the home run speed because we we saw that on his long run. Like mm-hmm. he broke out you know, he showed that short area quickness to get out there and, and, you know, certainly got a lot of yardage, but he's not necessarily the home run hitter. That's really, I think the only weakness he's shown this year is that he's not going to break off a 75 yard run. But, um, in terms of his contact balance, it looks otherworldly. Like, I mean, like this is an outstanding contact balance, uh, great running style, patient, uh, good footwork. I mean, and, and the receiving, we didn't really see a lot of it at BYU, but he's been one of their most reliable third down options, even with Cordero Patterson here, who we know is a great receiver. So, um, I mean, I think he's he's showing that, like, this this guy could, like, do we need to plan for life after Cordero Patterson? Because maybe Tyler Algier is that guy, um, you know, going forward. I know uh, Bijan Robinson has been a popular topic, and we will talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that. I promised some draft takes by the end of the show, but... Um, you know, Tyler Algier, it's like, well, you got this guy in the building. Uh, the Saints aren't as good against the run as they have been in years past, but this is still a top 20 run defense. I mean, it's not awful. Um, and he's going off for 8.7 yards per carry, hundreds of yards and all this. So it's, you know, maybe not uh, as big of an issue as some people thought with, with Patterson appearing to slow down a little bit late in the season again. Um, so that, that's something to monitor going forward. But um, Dave, what did you think about the run game and, and Tyler Algier's uh, great, great day? It was a lot of fun. I, I love when a, a player that, you know, you're, you're rooting for all year was somebody who I was hoping would have a big role right at the beginning of the year. You know, I predicted that he'd lead the team in rushing and then he was like third on the depth chart. And I was like, well, this isn't looking great. And then, you know, Damian Williams gets hurt three weeks <laughs> in, he's, he's starting to roll. So it, it's, it's really fantastic to see him coming into his own. And I, I think obviously you know, the scheme is set up to, to help these guys succeed. The blocking has been tremendous, but Algier really seems to have that well-rounded game and that physicality that they're looking for. So I, I do think, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be like the clear-cut number one guy, but I think he's your 1A and, and whoever else is your 1B. If it's Corderell Patterson, if it's, you know, somebody else, I can't imagine them going out in April and trying to draft a top back um, in the first round and, and kind of burning another pick on an offensive skill position player when you have so many other needs, you know, if you're ever going to get to the point where this team resembles like the best Titans team, you, see, you know, you have maybe the ground game that you're already looking for, but at some point we also need a defense. So like trust, <laughs> trust that Algier can be this guy because I think he can be. And it, a game like that is, is really evidence of just how good he can be. Um, and, and to your guys' point, you know, with the ground game, 
it's fair to say that, yeah, maybe they should be running more. Um, you know, I, I think that at some point they do have to have a capable passing attack to balance this out. But until then, you know, I think it was at the Browns game. It was the Browns game, right? Where they ran it like a ridiculous number of times in the row, a row. It just, it didn't matter. No one could stop them. Like that is, that mindset was so great to see. And it, it does feel like we haven't seen that in recent weeks. We've seen, you know, I want to give this to the quarterback. You know, I want this passing attack to succeed, even though the evidence is it's not going to. So I, I support what you guys are saying. Like over the, the next three weeks, like, you know, you want to give Ritter something to do. But if they're running well and, and nothing else is working, just keep running. Yeah. And part of me wonders, I, I'm not accusing them of tanking or anything, but I wonder if the, the point was more to to evaluate Ritter and, and really test him and, and do this sort of stuff. Like if maybe, maybe like trying to win is not the biggest goal. Maybe the biggest goal now is try to win while evaluating these young players so that it's, you know, it hasn't really changed, but instead of being like, let's, let's go all out and maximize every advantage we have to win. It's now let's still try to win as much as possible, but it's more important to our long-term success to put a lot on Ritter's plate and see how he handles it. And, you know, get Troy Anderson as many reps as possible, get these young players as many reps as possible. You know, we, we don't know that they'll never say what they're doing, but I think you could certainly make a case that the play calling, uh, was not maybe the most, uh, I don't know what, what's a good word for it. Just not the most, uh, winning play calling. I mean, we saw, the early deep shots, we saw multiple trick fl- plays involving Felipe Franks. And man, somebody, we're just going to have to take Felipe Franks away. Arthur Smith has lost his fl- his Franks privileges at this point. So, uh, just... look, you know, <laughs> to, to, quote, to quote Arthur Smith, both on the, the winning play calling and taking away Felipe Franks, that, that, that's comical. It's comical. <laughs> you know, so, it is. Yeah. You can't, you can't take away Felipe Franks. That is, that is, uh, I don't know. You know, it's like a dog with his chew toy. I know that's a terrible analogy, but it's true. You can't take yeah. it away. Yeah, and the other part of this was, I talked a lot about it on the post game um, because this, it was right after, of course, it happened, and I just I hated how it ended. Um, that that on that potential game winning drive, the ball's fumbled by Drake London after a great catch, and and that was his Ritter's best throw of the day, I thought, on fourth and five, and. He looked really locked in, and this is something that he did in college. Like, he would sometimes be a little shaky to start a game, but when it got down to crunch time at the end, he would just become absolutely lethal. I mean, he had so many comeback wins and just great games late, and I feel like we got a little bit robbed of an opportunity for him to deliver a game-winning drive that it wouldn't have erased his his struggles from earlier in the game, but it, we'd be seeing a completely different tune. It would be like, well, he didn't have amazing stats, but he won the game at the end, or at least scored the touchdown. And then if the defense blew it, of course, that's that you know entirely possible that would have happened, but um, it it wouldn't have been his fault. Um, so that that to me, I I, I want to give Ritter credit for putting together that drive and I think playing some of his best football on the day there. And just it was so sad and frustrating to see. Drake London dropped the ball, and, and you know, I'm not going to be overly upset with Drake London for that. I mean, he's also a rookie trying to basically carry the entire passing game. I mean, he was essentially the passing game, um, at least that, the, I mean, he was targeted, what, eight times, nine times uh, of their 23 attempts. So it's, you know, I don't want to put too much on these guys and, and really dog them out. It's just, man, uh, what a frustrating end 
uh, to, to what I thought was an opportunity for Ritter to sort of rise above. Um, but the fact that I think he was doing that, like, I after that fourth and five catch and before the fumble, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is going to happen. Like, I, I think we're at least going to tie this up. Like, this is this is coming together. And then, you know, two seconds later, I was feeling differently. But in that moment, I was positive about Desmond Ritter. So I don't want to punish him necessarily for the mistake of, of Drake London there. Um, but what do you guys think about that final drive? I thought, and this sort of will, will let us transition into our talk more about Ritter specifically. And Jordan, I'll let you get the first crack at it. What do you think about that last drive? Do you feel sort of similarly that that was maybe his best drive of the game? And, and uh, what, what do you think about that? I, I think it definitely had the potential to be. And, and I think you made a good point too about how he started off the game because I think, you know, you look earlier, it was either the first or second possession. He rolled out to the right, put a throw on the money onto the sideline to Michael Pruitt goes right through his hands. They showed it on the replay. And I mean, just think about this. If you're a young guy making your first start in a, in a crazy environment, as we all know, the Superdome can be, you make a throw like that on one of your first possessions. How much more calm are you in, in this game, in this environment? But I think to your point though, that the, the the conversation and the discourse around Desmond Ritter looks a whole lot different if the Falcons go down to score on that drive, whether it's a touchdown to take the lead or at least tie it, right? So I, I thought that, you know, when, when it was time for it, he was locked in, he was ready to go. Uh, but again, like I said, I think there were certain situations where, of course, he made his rookie mistakes. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to absolve him of everything. There, there were times I know he, there was one, uh, it was like a comeback route on the left sideline Mm-hmm. to Zacchaeus that he kind of hitched on it and then when he finally did throw it the defender was able to make a break on it of course there are about two or three interceptable passes he could have yeah. thrown yeah. but that being included I thought there were times again the play calling didn't really help him out I mean you had receivers in the vicinity of like five yards of each other multiple times uh and then of course the lack of separation uh from receivers at times as well but you saw when it mattered and even with all that being said here he comes down the field, putting the Falcons in a position to possibly take a game where, you know, that would have put him, I believe, tied for first place yeah. in, in the NFC South had, had they pulled that off. So, again, I, I just think that for everything that went wrong, the fact that he was still when it mattered could try to put something together was really impressive to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And Dave, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on, on that last drive too. Yeah, I just echo that. You know, I think it's difficult not to make um, maybe too much of, of like one play. But when you're on fourth and five, you're a rookie in a difficult environment. You know, you have had some errant throws on the day and you're being asked to to go in there and throw a strike and, and keep it moving. And he did that, you know, as as you said, Kevin, I think that might have been his best throw of the day. That, that feels like something you can build on. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, Ritter's going to be an above average starting quarterback or even a starting quarterback at all from here on out. But that kind of play, some of the other big throws he made, a couple of his runs, uh, you know, felt like we were watching somebody figuring some stuff out. And so that, that last drive, to me, um, you know, was was really a good sign for him that he's able to perform under pressure and, and get the job done you know, even if there were, again, a couple of missed throws in the lead up on that drive that got them to fourth and five, like, you know, if he can start putting this together with some consistency and 
I don't know if that happens this week in Baltimore, given the environment, given the cold, but if he's got the time and the will and they're willing to invest in him, it, it feels like there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. And J- Jordan, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just it's had okay. two things I wanted to note. I, I yeah, had yeah. the YouTube comments up, so I wanted to make two quick <laughs> things. So first off, to uh, to to Dave's first point, yes, completion percentage does not equal accuracy. Uh, I think we all remember this game. It was a few years ago in Carolina. Matt Ryan throws a deep ball to Julio Jones. He's wide open. Julio dropped it for a touchdown. Do we remember that one? Uh, yeah. Well, guess what? Matt Ryan's completion percentage goes down on that, but he couldn't throw that any better. Um, so there, there are certain things that also go into accuracy and completion percentage. They don't go hand in hand. Also, can we please not bring up Brock Purdy when we're trying to talk <laughs> about Desmond Ritter? The situations are night and day different. Okay. Like now, now obviously the, the 49ers, they play about 30 minutes down the road from where I live. Um, and so I see a good bit of them every single weekend and th- that that's apples to oranges. Like let's, let, let's please not even go there. Don't do that. Yeah. It's, you know, Purdy's probably working in the most favorable quarterback situation in the NFL. Uh, and I would say Ritter is working in probably a below average without Kyle Pitts. It's definitely a below average situation. Um, it's not the worst, you know, I think the strong running game, the offensive line is fine. And he does have Drake London, but without Kyle Pitts, it's not a great situation. And, um, you know, as good as I think Arthur Smith is, I think putting him on the level of Kyle Shanahan at this point is premature. So I, I would say Kyle Shanahan, you know, one of, if not the best offensive coordinator in football at this point. So, um, you know, Arthur Smith, I like, and I think he has the potential to, to prove that he belongs in that upper echelon conversation. But at this time, I mean, I mean, this is why every quarterback who goes to San Francisco looks good. I mean, for God's sake, Nick Mullins set like almost a rookie record for most yards in his first like 10 games or or 16 starts. Nick Mullins, who's like a guy that's barely a journeyman quarterback. It's extremely quarterback friendly. They ask the quarterback to do very little. And like, I need, you know. Brock Purdy has played great, like, in that system. Like, he he deserves his props. He's definitely proven that he's an NFL quarterback, and, and he's no longer Mr. Irrelevant. He's Mr. Very, very relevant for the NFC playoff picture. Um, but just look at San Francisco. Every single quarterback that plays there looks good. Every single one. It does not matter. Nick Mullins looked good. Jimmy Garoppolo looks great. I mean, how have those guys looked outside of San Francisco? And then also for the person commenting, Trey Lance also got them a must-win game down the stretch last year to make it the playoffs. So he's had his moments where he looked good too. Also, do we not remember they traded for this running back? I heard he was kind of good because you know we saw we saw him we saw this team before they got him. They only put up 14 points against our defense, but I heard that running back they got he he kind of makes a big difference too on how an offense looks. Just (laughs) just what I heard. Yeah, you know, Debo, obviously, he's hurt now, but, you know, Debo Samuel's amazing. Brandon Ayuk is clearly a very good receiver. Like, they just, it's a very quarterback-friendly system, and I give props to Kyle Shanahan. He gets he gets all of his quarterbacks basically ready to go. Um, so props to him for that. But, yeah, it's a different situation um, on a much better team with an app with the best defense in football supporting it also. Like, I mean, and that, I that's also, the other side. I also, yeah. I always had that working theory. And of course we didn't see enough of Trey Lance this year to say anything about this because I think he can be special, but I've always felt like Kyle Shanahan really doesn't get up in the morning unless he's got a mediocre to bad quarterback that he's propping up to make look good because like, you know, obviously he had Matt Ryan, maybe Lance ends up being that guy, but 
you know, the high water mark for him at quarterback before that was was Matt Schaub. So this is a man who who knows his way around making a, a you know subpar guy look pretty decent. So yeah, we're not we're not quite there with Arthur Smith yet as Dave Ragone as as passing game coordinators. I think. Yeah. I'm still yeah, mad at yeah. him though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Uh, okay, we got a five dollar donation from Corey. What's up, Corey? He says, <laughs> if Ritter continues to play at this level over the rest of the season, um, and our draft pick remains at seventh overall with Bryce Young falling to potentially third overall, would you consider trading first round picks to get him? Um, that's that's a good draft takes question. I, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young is the only one I would consider trading for i think he's the one that's clearly sort of the qb1 top guy if he if houston doesn't draft him they're just fools like i i I think there's a very low chance that he gets past houston at one um this is why houston is in this situation to begin with like they they were hoping that this would happen and it has happened so unless they just mess up and take the wrong quarterback i really don't think this is a realistic scenario where he falls um i I really, and if, so if Young is there at three, I would consider making a trade, but honestly, I I think that's very unlikely and I wouldn't consider trading for any of the other quarterbacks. Like if they were there at seven or say the Falcons do, I'm not, I don't really want to entertain it, but say the Falcons do lose out the rest of the way, which would be miserable for me um, until, until draft season hit and then it would be fun. But um, at this point, like if they were to lose out, it's not going to take much for them to, to get to three. It would take a lot for them to get to two, but if they lose out, they only need the Rams and these other teams to win one game. And because of the strength of schedule tiebreaker being so poor for the Falcons, um, they're like the second lowest strength of schedule in the NFL or something like that. Like, it doesn't take a lot for them to jump up the standings to a top pick. Um, But ultimately, I think they'll finish right around where they are now, you know, seventh, eighth, something like that. Um, And it's probably not a realistic thing, but yeah, I mean... Uh, Jordan, I don't, I don't know how brushed up you are on your draft takes so far, but do you have, do you have an opinion about Bryce Young? Oh, I think Bryce Young is is special. Um, now that being said, I think that even if you bring in Bryce Young, there are a lot of things on this team that need to be addressed before you do a quarterback, and because I think that you can bring in a talented quarterback, but the situation around them isn't isn't what it needs to be. You're still in trouble. I mean, look at what uh, Trevor Lawrence has looked like last year versus what he's looked like the last couple of weeks so far in this season. Um, you know, and I mean, that's just one example of many. I mean, even with, uh, I know everyone wanted just, a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people wanted Justin Fields uh, drafted here. And you see like, even at first, well, he's struggling. Well, also if we want to talk about uh, not that most ideal uh, weapons on the outside, in Atlanta, it's the same situation in Chicago. They, they really had to switch up their offense to make him more of a runner before they started looking like, okay, this might be something with them. So I just think that there's so much more that needs to be done. I mean, we still desperately need – I think Arnold Evacati on the outside can really be something as a pass rusher. They still need to find a way to get another dynamic one, uh, whether they want to do that in free agency. Obviously, we know about all the cap space that they have or in the draft. Um, also – need to get another corner to pair up with AJ Terrell. So they want to do that early. Uh, but I just think that with a lot of the holes that this team has going for a quarterback first, wouldn't be it. 
Uh, and then also I see Robert, he asked me a question. I mean, San Francisco, they already traded their future away. <laughs> yeah, look at what they Trey gave Lance, up. Yeah. yeah, look what they gave up for Trey Lance. And also look what they gave up to get uh, bring in Christian McCaffrey. So they're, they're going for it. They know this is their window. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that just answered that question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dave, did you have a, a Bryce Young opinion or, or any anything on that? I mean, the only thing that scares me a little bit is is the height, and I know yeah. that that can be overplayed for sure. Um, but I, I think he is incredibly gifted, and he is the one guy that you would consider going for. Like if Houston does something really stupid, um, which we can't rule possible. out because it is Houston, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's possible. Um, then you you do have to, I think, seriously think about you know what the what position you're in how committed you are to Ritter and, and what it would take to go get young but I, I do think that ultimately that's probably not where the Falcons are going to go so the hope is that young just doesn't end up over here in the NFC and especially in the NFC South and right now it looks like we're going to avoid that um so I, I'm just hoping you know Saints no first round pick Tampa Bay probably you know a later pick because of the playoffs so you're just hoping that Carolina gets the worst quarterback in the crop whoever that ends up being yeah, no, I, I think that's a good good call. And I, I just, I don't think it's going to shake out well for them to get a quarterback in this draft. Um, but I, I think there's a non-zero chance that they go for Lamar Jackson if he becomes available. You know, we've already seen them try to take a swing on a quarterback. It was definitely not the right quarterback to take a swing on. I'd feel much better about them swinging on Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, I think they'll, they'll be willing to be aggressive for quarterback. I just don't think it's necessarily going to be in the draft. I think it's more likely to be a veteran. I mean, honestly, if you want my opinion, it's it's going to be Ryan Tannehill because um, I think he's getting cut. So um, I don't think they're going right. to have to pay a lot for him or trade anything for him. Uh, but I think I think if they're looking for someone to compete with Desmond Ritter or to give Ritter more time, you know, we could be looking at Ryan Tannehill. And to be, you know, Ryan Tannehill is what he is, but he and, and Arthur Smith made magic happen uh, multiple seasons. So... You know, uh, get ready for that being a possibility if they aren't in position to draft anyone and they're not necessarily 100% sold on Ritter, a reunion with Tannehill for temporarily. Like, they're not going to give him a long-term deal or anything like that. They might, like, give him a two-year contract, probably paying him $15, 20000000 per, um, which is a pittance for the Falcons with their current cap situation. They could make that happen easily. Um, but, uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but if you, if you remember... Ryan Tannehill looked like a top eight quarterback with Arthur Smith. Like that, they just got each other. And as soon as Arthur Smith left, that didn't that stopped working. So, as as sort of milk toast as that would feel, that could be a way for this team to sort of have another bridge option while Ritter continues to develop, or if they're sort of treading water, waiting for somebody else to come available or to do something in the draft. I know that won't be a popular take, but. Um, considering that the price probably won't be very high and they're not really going to have to trade anything for him because I think he'll just be cut. Um, you know, prepare yourself, I guess, for, for that being a potential option. Um, but yeah, on, on Ritter, I mean, we've talked about a lot of it. I mean, overall, my takeaways, you know, I, I didn't have time to rewatch the whole game, but I thought his accuracy on the whole was pretty good. I think the receivers really struggled in this game. Um, Drake London had, had a good game except for his fumble. I thought he, he played well and, and was getting open. Um, but everybody else really struggled to separate. Uh, just 
I mean, it was like the worst game for Lamade Zacchaeus of the season. Um, just couldn't get any separation. Kadero Hodge wasn't really playing, which I found strange. And, and Michael Pruitt was okay, but he dropped that pass. And um, they're really hurting without Kyle Pitts. It just lets teams sort of sell out to stop Drake London. And that didn't really help them. Like, I mean, Drake London was still able to make plays. Uh, and you've seen how special he is. He's just great at... He's fearless over the middle. He makes tough catches. He just needs to learn to put two hands on the ball when he's going for those extra yards. That's all. Um, but I thought that uh, the overall accuracy was fine. Um, I thought that Ritter was a little too jumpy in the pocket. I think he needed to, to sort of relax a little bit and not just start bailing. I, I don't think he ran particularly well I think he he chose to run too late several times and in his rushing he was okay at it like I mean obviously you saw his athleticism he's really fast he can he can erase some bad plays with the scrambling um but he didn't look comfortable doing it yet and that's sort of what I thought from his college days would happen early on like he's he's not Marcus Mariota he's not the natural scrambler the natural runner um he's got the athleticism I mean he's got one of the fastest 40 times for a quarterback in the NFL right now I think Lamar Jackson might be the only one who's faster. Um, so, I mean, he's really fast. He's got that athleticism, but was never a high-volume runner. Was never a guy that was going to go to that naturally. So I think they're going to have to coach that up out of him. But I liked his I, I liked his, his, his willingness to put the, the ball in tight windows. We, we didn't really see Mariota do that. He didn't take a lot of chances with the football, which can be good or bad. Um, I liked... Ritter's willingness to sort of rip it um and and we saw him almost throw three picks four picks whatever hopefully that will get tamped down a bit um it's a really tough place to play on the road I tried to warn people I tried to warn you about this game that you know he might not play well very few rookie quarterbacks go into New Orleans and win their first game I think only like two or three ever have done it um in the NFL history (laughs) they showed the graphic a bunch of really famous quarterbacks lost their first game in New Orleans so um, it's, it's a tough place to play. It was a bad situation for him. I really wish they would have gotten him in right before the bye. So he had more time with the receivers. He had an easier situation at home to play in, but you know, I, I think Ritter is resilient enough. I mean, I, I really appreciated also his press conference and stuff this week. And we can talk about that too. I don't want to give all the Ritter takes before you guys get a chance, but, um, I, I thought it was mostly fine. I don't think it, it didn't alarm me in any way thinking like, oh, this guy can't cut it. Um, it wasn't like inspiring necessarily, but I think it was about what I thought on the lower end of the spectrum, like within the realm of reasonable takes. I was like, yeah, this is, it's not something that alarmed me. It's not something that's moving the needle. I still think Ritter has a good chance to be an NFL starter. I don't know if he's going to be a high end starter or like a Garoppolo starter or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I think he's certainly, he showed enough that, that I think that I, I'm still very much like if he improves over the final three games, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like he's the type of guy I think that will get better in every start. Will he be good enough to quiet down the quarterback conversation? That I don't know. But, um, yeah, Dave, I'll, I'll let you get your, your crack in here. What did you sort of think about his performance on the whole? I know there was, it was quite, uh, all over the place, but what were your sort of overall takeaways? Yeah, you know, it's certainly I was hoping for a little bit more from him. I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, that's uh, <laughs> that's extremely greedy. And that comes from a place of being spoiled, I think, by quarterback play um, really over most of the last two decades. You know, you went from 
Chris Chandler, uh, who was still pretty solid at the end of his career, to Michael Vick, who was amazing, um, you know, if inconsistent as, at times, to Matt Ryan, and then even to to Marcus Mariota, who, you know, if he was not at all consistent as a passer, he was an interesting player, and he was he made things happen, uh, mainly with his legs. So, you know, going to Ritter and seeing that first start, which was much anticipated, and you know, seeing some of the misses, seeing under a hundred yards, like even though the number doesn't really matter. Yeah, it was it was kind of a tough first effort. But I, I yeah. think, you know, it comes back to I think the question for him really is just how much can he prove and how much can he show improvement um over the last few weeks? Because I think from like an intangibles perspective, you know, uh the, the poise he had in that game the way he's he's looking at this, the way the uh, the coaches and the players, I know Chris Lindstrom talked quite a bit about how he operated the offense and, and that it was impressive that he did so the way he did. Um, those are all pluses for him. So, it, you know, if this team is, is seriously considering starting him next year, which feels like at least a possibility given yeah. where they're likely to pick, you know, where they want to put their money, then I, I think it was a good enough first start in that it showed them, you know, what he can work on and what he can do well. And so it's just on him over the last three weeks of the season to improve at the little things and the big things. And so, you know, if he goes out there against Baltimore and, you know, he throws a, a couple passes uh, fewer that are maybe interceptable or, or maybe a little bit reckless, if he looks a little bit more decisive as a runner and as a passer, you know, that progress probably matters a lot. So, you know, I, I think all told, you know, it wasn't like a catastrophic effort. Like you said, it didn't yeah. convince me that this guy can't play. I was wrong about him. You should never be like that after one game anyways, <laughs> I know. Um, but I, I think, you know, solid enough, a foundation. And even if, you know, the house is a little bit, you know, leaning to the side at the moment, he's got a chance to put things down and, and get it on track so you know we'll see where he goes from here i wasn't overwhelmed i wasn't underwhelmed i was just whelmed yeah that's a, that's a good take I, I like that yeah jordan what did you sort of think about his his overall performance in this one well yeah i guess first off one of the things is one of the most historic buildings in the world is a leaning tower so that you know sometimes there are good things that come with that but no i, I think you know when you look I, obviously if you look at the numbers it's oh he did terrible but when i just think about the game itself he looked like a rookie Look like a rookie making his first start in the NFL. And honestly, when you're a quarterback, uh, and especially a rookie quarterback in the NFL, one of my big takeaways is, okay, when you make those throws that either are intercepted, should have been intercepted, or you missed this one, you missed that one. Obviously, earlier on, I talked about some of the misses that he did make. How do you bounce back from that? And again, we talked about how that last drive looked like it was going to come along and, you know, maybe how that could have... Uh, how things could have happened if the fumble doesn't happen, right? And, but also I feel like that's part of the reason why, you know, and I'm one of these people included, I would love to see him earlier in the year. Uh, I, I thought that after the Carolina game, the second one, because it was yeah. a Thursday night game, you have 10 days before you have um, your next game. That would have been one of the better times to do it. It's not a full bye week, but it's kind of like a mini one. So you kind of get them up to speed. You also are, I believe you were at home in Chicago yeah. after that game. So you're at home, much better place to play, much better environment to really, you know, be welcome into your first, uh, your first start. And then you go from there um, where, you know, maybe some of those misreads and just some of that lack of comfortability in that big NFL environment, maybe that's already out the window because as we've seen, 
you know, because the, uh, the big thing for me was, well, you know, going into the year, did I think it was going to be the case the Falcons were going to be in the middle, middle of a division a division race? No, I, I honestly didn't. <laughs> yeah. But they were there. And so my thing was, okay, you know what? Now it's time to really go all in. If like, Obviously, we know what we see with Marcus is not working out. And then a lot of the reasons why in certain games has been because of what Marcus has or hasn't done. So you drafted this guy third over, I mean, not third overall, third <laughs> round. Yeah. Let, let, let's see what he has. And then, again, if, if it doesn't work out, well, guess what? At the end of the day, you're right where you kind of, your expectations were on the year. If it works out, congratulations, you might have a quarterback of the future. Um, and also you have a little bit better understanding of who he is because he's had time to work out some of those rookie mistakes. Because guess what? He's going to make more again this coming yeah. week. He's going to make more next week. He's going to make more the final week in Tampa Bay. So even then, it's still like you might not know what you have going into this offseason with all the free agents and 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 the draft coming up. Because I, in my opinion, I think they just waited a little too long. No, I, I agree. I, I think it's tough. Uh it's, it was a tough place for them, and, and I blame the Bucks for being so shitty. Um, also, <laughs> like it's their fault, really. Um, and like I, it's hard to put too much blame on the coaching staff for sticking with Mariota when they thought because at, the Thursday night game was really the beginning of the end for Mariota. Like I, after that game, I was officially like, okay, we need to see Ritter. So I was very similar to to your timeline there. But before that, it was like. Mario has been up and down, but this team is still winning, you know, as much as they're losing or close to it. We're in the thick of the playoff race. Maybe I understand not changing up the quarterback at this point. Um, but then, you know, that so then they win the Bears game. and It's like, okay, well, maybe they made the right call sticking with Mario. And then it was just disastrous after that Bears game. Like it's been, it was, you know, four or five games of poor play by Mario in a row. And we finally get Ritter after the bye. Um, which maybe that was just their long-term plan. You know, they were like, okay, if we're not winning the division, we're not really a serious playoff contender. We're going to go to Ritter after the bye. Um, and like, I'm glad they made the change now, but it, it does sort of stunt his growth and not give you as much ability to evaluate him this year. But I think it also shows a lot of trust in Ritter that they didn't feel like they had to get him on the field as soon as possible. But And I guess what I mean by that is, if they were like, well, we don't have really much faith at all in this guy, so we're planning to draft a quarterback next year unless Ritter proves himself. If that was their thought, you think they would have gotten him on the field as soon as possible because then they would have really wanted him to show something or they were planning to go in a different direction. So I guess you could either take it as they actually do have a lot of faith in him and do want to have confidence in him potentially being their starter next year and they don't actually need to see more than a few games to feel confident in that. Or you could say, like, well, they don't have any confidence in him at all, and this is just, you know, seeing how good of a backup he can be. I guess it depends on how you how you sort of shake out on, on your opinion of how they handle the situation, but I, I choose to believe that they actually have a lot of faith in them because that's what they've said, and I think they're that it's consistent with how they've played it. Um, they didn't feel like they had to force him onto the field. They've talked about his preparedness, and Arthur Smith went out of his way to say, like, you know, Ritter has earned the starting job. We're not just doing it because Mariota's playing badly. It's, it's Ritter it has earned it. It's a performance-based decision. So I'm hopeful that he will bounce back. Um, and he, he has another tough game coming up against the Ravens' defense. Now, the Ravens haven't been great against the pass. They I think they're 21st in net yards per attempt on uh, 25th in passing yardage. So... Much easier, softer pass defense. But the Falcons are really going to have to take advantage of that because 
they are the number three rush defense, the Ravens. They allow just 3.8 yards per carry, uh, and they're third in overall rushing yardage allowed. So the Falcons are probably going to have to lean more on the passing game in this one. And this is the perfect opportunity for Ritter to show growth against a probably a little bit easier defense. And, you know, will Marcus Peters play? He didn't practice, so that's potentially a big loss for them. Um, you know, it, it could be sort of a, a, an injury-limited opponent here. Um, this could be a good opportunity for Ritter to show that he is an upgrade over over Mariota in the passing game. And they need they will need him to be that if they want to have a chance to beat the Ravens. Because I don't think you can depend on the rushing attack getting you 200 yards in this one. I mean, I think you can definitely think that they're going to be able to hold their own and probably still get you, you know, four to four and a half yards per carry or so, but probably not the like five to six yards per carry they were generating against poor run defenses like the Saints. So, well, one thing to note with that too up front, I know uh, Calais Campbell didn't practice today either. So uh, now, uh, of course, if he's not there, yeah, that's the, your, your optimism for the run game looks a lot different. So that that's something to monitor too going into Thursday and of course Friday. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't I didn't remember that he missed today as well. Um and we didn't we haven't talked we didn't talk about the defense at all because I think we all know the defense is the defense is put together with paper mache and duct tape. Um and and this defense is unfortunately a little bit of a sad in a sad state. It's really sort of impressive to me how few points they've allowed <laughs> like over the past several games. Like I mean, you look at how this game started against the Saints, and you were like, oh, well, we're about to give up 35. You know, we might have a 50-burger dropped on us. But they don't. Like, they 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 tighten up. They get it settled. They only allow 300, you know, they only allow, like, 350 yards, which is not great, but it's not that bad. Um, but over the past, uh, what is it, five games, uh, it's 25 points against the Panthers, not great. Uh, 24 points against the Bears, not great, but they won. Just 19 points to the Commanders, just 19 points to the Steelers, and now just 21 to the Saints. That's not bad in terms of scoring. Um, now, on a play-by-play basis, the defense has been much more frustrating to watch. But, um, you know, we know that unit is not its not ready for prime time. Like, this is a, a defense that is, like I said, put together with paper mache and duct tape. They're really just trying to get by um, with what they have. And I think DPs deserve some props for, for getting them making as many stops as they have, but uh, it's really been on the offense. I think the, the last five games they've lost, you know, six games they've lost, whatever, these were all games that the defense kept very, very winnable. Um, the score was low enough. That it, nothing was out of hand. I mean, I feel like in most of these games, the Falcons had an opportunity at the end to win, and they just did not get it done. So I, I think this is the, this is where we need to see Desmond Ritter really Get on, get back on the horse. You had a tough debut. Um, now you have a tough, it may be even tougher test going into Baltimore, who are nine and five and really pushing for the division title, an AFC contender. You know, maybe a little bit injured, but still very dangerous opponent. Um, you know, don't you know? Let's let's see it. Like now you gotta you gotta do it again. Like get back out there and prove against a tough opponent. Um, and, and this is where, you know, he's going to have to show. Like, he's not getting an, an easy start. Like, it, it you know, in New Orleans, in Baltimore, your first two games. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't get much harder than that. So, it's a great opportunity for Ritter to get a baptism by fire. I hope he he rises to the challenge in this one and really shows us something this week. Because that'll go a long way into quieting the uh, the very, very just strangely erratic 
well, I guess strange is probably too strong a word. I mean, this is football Twitter and football fandom in general. You know, I think sort of the erratic nature of, of the discourse is part of the fun. But um, I hope he's able to sort of bounce back and, and quiet down the, you know, he's a bus talk uh, after his second game. You know, because clearly we can make strong determinations about a player's future based off their first two games. But, but yeah, guys, um, I know Dave and, and Jordan, uh, we were trying to keep it on the shorter end. It is 9 or 10 o'clock or whatever it is here. So we're going to go ahead and get close to wrapping up. But I do want to give you guys a chance to get off any final takes. Uh, Jordan, he is at Big75Fella on Twitter. Like I said, the newest member of the Falcoholic staff. Jordan, any final thoughts, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, so I know, obviously, uh, last I checked too, Lamar Jackson also didn't practice again today. So that'll be something to monitor. I think when we talk about the defense, I'll, I'll make this quick. Um, you know, uh, Alvin Kamara going into last week had really struggled on the ground. And early in the game, it seemed like that was going to be the case again. But I thought what was somewhat frustrating is as the game went on, he started breaking those six-yard runs, seven-yard runs, eight-yard runs. And that that really made it um, that made it tough, right, once he got rolling. But also, I really would love to see um, Dean Pease or, or whomever help out the defensive line a little bit more. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say who is great, who isn't great. I'm just going to say, obviously, we know the sack numbers are not there. But a lot of times with what I see the Falcons doing is they just do straight four-man rushes. Now, I don't have a problem – with rushing forward, but I think as we all know, like obviously we trust Grady. Grady can win a one-on-one almost any given time he wants. Uh, like I said, Arnold Epicady's getting there, but for the most part outside of that, who who do you really trust on or rely on to win a one-on-one pass rush on a consistent basis at this at this moment? Now, what we have seen though is when you make those advantages. So again, like the play I highlighted this week, um, there was they put three D linemen, including Rashawn Evans to a uh to the to the left side so you had three on three and they ran the stunt perfectly like do some more of that help like if the talent isn't just there to win it one-on-one help your guys out some more where they can get on edges they make picks happen make the o-line think a little bit more to make it work because obviously again if lamar jackson doesn't play uh huntley is still a mobile guy but of course he's no lamar jackson but I still see the Falcons, they still do a somewhat good enough job most of the time of rushing in, in discipline, even yeah. when they go in stunts. So now help them out, get on the edges a little bit more where they can still be in their responsibilities. And that also helps out the secondary. And we all know they need, they need help as well. So I would just love to see some of the play calling up front, a couple more games, a couple more stunts just to help everybody out. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'd like to see more aggressiveness called because, like you said, the talent's not quite there, neither in the secondary or the front seven. So it's like we got to do like we got to dazzle them with fluff or something like that because we can't just depend on the talent to win. Um, And they've done, I think, a better job of that in some games like week one against the Saints. I thought they did a perfect job of that. Um, I don't know why they've gone away from that defensive strategy since. Um, I mean, I know they don't necessarily have the secondary the cornerback room, you know, they used to have you know, Casey Hayward's gone. I, don't, I think they don't trust the other guy opposite Terrell as much. But, man, it, it's painful watching that pass work some down. So hopefully they'll they'll get that figured out. And I, I suspect strongly that most of the, the free agent dollars that we're going to have in the salary cap this offseason will go to the defensive line uh, edge rush group because they they need two more guys, I think, like two 
plus starters. Um, and if you could get a blue chip guy, that's great. You might not be able to, but even if you could just get two plus starters, like even if I feel, I feel like even if they had Vincent Taylor, you know, or Eddie Goldman, if if one of those guys had ended up playing, I feel like this defensive line would be significantly better. But without either of those guys and the injuries they've already suffered there, you know, Taquan Graham goes down too. It's just Abdullah Anderson, big thumbs up, buddy. Like you have, I think, earned your spot on this on this team going forward. But everybody else, man, it, Timmy Horn got snaps at edge in this game. That that just that killed my soul. Uh, that <laughs> just man, I just I can't get behind that. But that's the state of this defensive line. So uh, appreciate you, Jordan. Thanks for your time tonight. Uh, I'm sure we'll get many more takes from you over the, the coming weeks and months. Um, also with us tonight, the boss man, J- Dave Chode at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you'd like to add? Uh, anything you'd like to plug? No, just, um, you know, I would plug your guys' work. I know, Kevin, you're you're right on the cusp of this being full-blown draft season. So, you know, if you want to watch out for all of uh, Kevin's scouting reports, mock drafts, and so forth, um, I'm sure he's got one in the chamber in case they lose and Tampa Bay wins on Saturday. I want to say Sunday. I keep doing that. Um, and, and definitely read Jordan on the lines. I think it's it's been great to have your expertise on that and, and really a, a closer look at what's happening in the trenches, even if some of it's maybe a little bit depressing. So um, and let's <laughs> let's let's hope for the best on Saturday. I would love to see, you know, just a complete reversal in this team coming out and, and beating a very good Baltimore team in frigid temperatures so um you know cross your fingers and let's see what happens absolutely yeah no no complaints there i look like i love the draft pick and at the end of the season if they lost out i'd probably be happy but right now i just want them to win some damn games okay like I, i'm tired yeah. of losing let's just win the games as many as you can and we'll sort the draft pick out later you know um we'll go from there but Again, thanks so much to Jordan and Dave for joining me tonight, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. You can follow me there on the Twitters. Thanks to everyone who's donated to the Senior Bowl Fund. If you'd like to do so offline, for those of you listening to the podcast audio, you can do so at streamlabs.com slash falcoholic slash tip, or you can go to my Twitter page and donate on Venmo. Again, all that's going to be going towards our Senior Bowl travel. We bring you all those great shows uh, and, and live takes and, and video clips that I know you guys are just thirsting for at the start of draft season. Uh, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Really appreciate that. Uh, I feel like we hit 5,000 subs like a, a couple weeks ago, and we're already at 5,100. So keep keep on stacking those up. Thanks to everyone for following us there. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, leave us that five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Uh, get, 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 I think, close. We, got a, we have a 4.9, so somebody didn't leave a five-star review, uh, but it's okay. 4.9 is not bad. Um, and uh, I think there's like 75 or 80 reviews now. So thanks. Thanks to everyone for doing that. Um, really helps us out. So thanks guys so much. Uh, we will see you uh, on Saturday, not Sunday, as as Dave mentioned, uh, for the Falcons versus Ravens post-game show uh, immediately following that game. I may end up having to travel that day. So it, it's possible that show could be delayed or, or get messed up. But as of now, it should go off uh, as scheduled. But we'll, we'll see. I'll keep you guys posted if anything changes there. But again, thanks so much, guys, for Jordan, for Dave, and for myself. Enjoy your evening. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.